Another thing that stood out to me was uh, he got off work in time for lunch, which, you know, being with a nurse, I know that that doesn't happen like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. Did you know? I Actually, can you confirm this? The movie, is it Severance? That's on Apple TV? I thought that was a TV show. Yeah. Oh, did I say movie? Yes. Okay, the TV show with Adam Scott? Yeah. Do you know who directed that? No idea. I've heard it was incredible, though. Me too. I think it's Ben Stiller. Oh, you know what? That sounds right. I listened to this podcast. Uh, it's called Smart Less. I feel like I brought it up before. But it's Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and... Oh my God, uh, Just Jack. What the fuck is his name? Sean Hayes. Uh, Sean Hayes. Uh, it's the three of them. And each week, one of them brings in a celebrity guest that is a surprise to the other two. That's really cool. Yeah, and I was, was I forget who brought him on, but they brought on Ben Stiller. And I don't remember the last movie that Ben Stiller did, but they talked a lot about Ben Stiller directing, and they talked a lot about Severance. And... I was like, did he direct it? Like, I don't like what was his hand in it? I guess we could probably just look it up. But I thought that that was interesting that he's kind of I think I've actually heard that he did direct at least some of it, which is actually really cool. I think so, too. Let's see. Yeah. Directed by Ben Stiller and Oif McArdle. A-O-I-F-E. How do you pronounce that? That is a cool name. That's like almost all the vowels. It's an awesome name. Oifey? Are you looking up more things about Ben Stiller? Or are you looking up how to pronounce A O I F E? <laughs> this is, I think, that like you know how Sersha, like Sersha Ronan and like oh, Siobhan yeah. have a bunch. Of, I think it's like an is it Irish? Some sort of European thing. Wikipedia is saying it's Efa. Oh, is an Irish director, writer, and cinematographer. I'm so stupid. Yes, so it is directed by Ben Stiller. I bring this up because Ben Stiller is going to be a very big part of our discussion this week. Why? Um, I just, we, we just like him. Oh. I just think he's a swell guy. He's got range. He's got a lot of range. In my podcast, someone asked him, uh, not my podcast, but the podcast episode that I was listening to, they bring up the fact that he has such a wide range of like serious comedy to just like balls to the wall, crazy personality comedy. Absolutely, yeah. Like with Zoolander and fucking whoever he played in Tropic Thunder. He's got such a great ability to play the straight man in a lot of roles. Yeah. But some of the first roles that pop in my head when I think about Ben Stiller are like heavyweights and dodgeball. Dodgeball. Yes. He's an absolute maniac in those movies. Yep. So he's great at that. Playing Derek Zoolander, too. It's just like he completely transforms himself. Have you seen the Friends episode he's on? Uh, you would be able to answer that question. I'm not sure. So, okay, so he's Rachel's date, and he is yelling at people, but Rachel's not seeing it, but Ross is. Mm -hmm. He's just, like, losing his mind down people. These people are sitting in their seats in the theater, and he starts screaming at them. He, like, loses his temper, but Rachel just doesn't see it happen. 
so Ross is trying to convince Rachel that he's a bad guy and she's like, no, no. Well, I, I don't know that it goes. particularly like goes in that direction specifically, but like I think that Ross just is actually bringing it up to the other friends. That to say like another role where he is playing a freaking maniac. <laughs> and I think the end of this movie, I feel like he's like recording some sort of video or something. Oh my God, people don't even know. I mean, I guess you do know what movie we're talking about. We're talking about Meet the Parents. At the end of this movie, <laughs> isn't he like recording himself and he's like, can you deal with that? Oh, is that this movie? I can hear and see that clip. Yeah. Why was he recording himself? Was it was it that one? I, no, because I think that Robert De Niro has cameras in places. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is Meet the Parents, and we're not doing it alone. We're doing it with a wonderful, wonderful guy. He's just great. His name is Steven, and he uh, went to college with me. I guess I met Steven in 2000 and shit 2000 and shit uh, 2000 and old that's when you yeah, met him 2014 or something like that i've known steven for a very long time and he's just like the nicest guy ever he's and like the coolest chillest dude he's the best. absolutely yeah he also has a podcast it's called dumbest in the room and we will include the appropriate linkage to that but um he's just great been looking forward to this for a while now this is long long overdue yeah absolutely i feel really bad like this this should not have taken this long but i'm so excited this is finally happening yeah the movies that he suggested definitely had some range but I thought it had been a while since I saw Meet the Parents. And I <laughs> honestly just sort of like want to watch that movie again. So that was my vote. This was one of those movies that was like PG-13 that I probably shouldn't have been watching when it came out. But I watched it anyway. I remember it fondly. I'm curious. I'm sure we'll talk more about this other movie too uh, throughout this episode. But do you like Meet the Parents or Meet the Fockers more? Oh my god. <laughs> okay so i am actually curious i'm definitely gonna watch both of them yeah oh yeah i think when i was younger i liked meet the fockers more because i think that that it has a little bit of a different style of comedy yeah uh, it's more like outrageously funny rather than like super uncomfortable <laughs> yeah um, that's that's very true yeah and i know that they did like a little fockers where i don't remember liking it very much I heard that it was not good, so I've avoided it. I get it. Yeah, we'll just pretend that one doesn't exist. Unless Steven swears by it, then I'll watch it. But anyway, this movie, I know that my parents and my sister really liked it, and I probably just watched it at some point when they had it on when I was younger. I think at that point, like, I don't know that I really got that style of comedy, like how uncomfortable things can get. I sort of just spent the whole movie feeling bad for Vince Stiller's character and like not liking Robert De Niro. But now I'm pretty sure that Robert De Niro was going to be my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> but also the supporting, I don't want to say supporting, but like the wives in this, both of them I remember so fondly and love them in both movies, really. Yeah. Blythe Danner and Barbara freaking Streisand. I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, so good. What was um Greg, right? Well, Gaylord. Gaylord Fogger. <laughs> but Greg, what was his wife's name or fiance? Oh, shit. I don't know. I really liked her, though. I think she was good, too. Yeah. I do remember uh, he's a nurse. Yes. There might be people listening to this that have never seen Meet the Parents. You should totally watch it. It's funny as hell, and it's really awkward, and has a lot of really talented, famous 
superstars in it. So it absolutely does. You should definitely watch it along with us. And by extension, um, watch Duplex. Another Ben Stiller classic. It's one of my favorites, and I just need to know that I'm not the only person on this planet that actually enjoys that movie. So just let me know when you watch it and let me know your thoughts. I'm about like 95% sure that I would like Duplex. Have you not seen it? Yeah, no, I have. I just don't remember it. Oh my God. Something inside of me is just like, you don't want to watch that. Love that movie. I know. It's... I don't know why. There's just something inside of me that just doesn't want to watch it. <sighs> the know. next time we're together, I'm making you watch it. Going to clockwork orange me. Yep. This is going to be a good one, guys. You will love Steven. If you don't already, you're going to love this movie, I'm sure. And I think this movie is appropriate because I feel like, isn't Steven like getting married soon? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I hope that things go much better with Steven's wedding than in this movie, but... That's still exciting. I truly don't remember how things go, but probably disastrous. I just remember a backyard and a flooded sewage tank. Oh, jeez. Do you not remember that? No. I remember a little baby, but I think that's from the second one. That's that's Meet the Foggers, yeah. And he's like, asshole. <laughs> and then I, I learned if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down, which is so gross. <laughs> that was Dustin Hoffman, wasn't it? Yes. I forgot. I almost forgot that he was in that. Yeah. I think he got me too'd. Dustin Hoffman did? Yeah. I feel Damn. like he did. Everybody just fucking sucks. I swear to God. <laughs> Let's watch these fuckers. Day two. So we're here with <laughs> Steven. What's up? Welcome to our podcast. We're so happy to have you, my brother. I'm so thankful you asked me to be on, even though I feel like uh, an imposter and I don't know what I'm talking about, but hopefully it'll be good. We don't either. It's okay. We've all seen the movie. That's all that's <laughs> required. And we have been planning this for so long that it can't possibly measure up to the buildup that we are all <laughs> planning. So let's just say fuck it and just do whatever we want. Works for me. Time game. We kind of already did a take one on this. We kind yeah. of have gone over our history with this movie. Do you want to talk about why you chose this specific movie? And I talked mad shit about you. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I don't really know when I was first introduced to this movie. I mean, it was it came out in 2000, so I was six years old. So obviously I didn't watch it when I was six. I think maybe my parents just had it on DVD. And, you know, I think I passively watched it with them when I was a kid and it's just become one that I can watch over and over again without getting tired of it. I can see that now. I hadn't seen it in a while. It's been a while for me as well. I don't know why I don't watch this movie more often because I really enjoyed it too. It also really made me want to watch the second one because I also remember the second one pretty fondly. Yeah. I think they make a great pair of movies. I don't think I've seen the third one. Have you seen the third one? Yeah, so it's Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, and Little Fockers. Okay, do we agree that the last one is probably the worst? Probably. I haven't seen that one in a long time. Usually I just stick to Meet the Parents. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I remember really liking Meet the Fockers. I think I actually saw that one in theaters, maybe. That one's more like overtly funny rather than this one is... It's comedy is baked into how awkward things are. Yeah, for sure. And how bad you feel for Ben Stiller the entire movie. Yeah. You know, as I was watching it, I was thinking like everything is not going his way. And in my life, I've had a lot of times where things have not gone my way. So I was thinking maybe subconsciously this movie when I was watching it at a younger age, 
kind of set me up for keeping a positive attitude through kind of, you know, things not going to plan. What a good way to look at it. So I'm guessing you've never been thrown off a plane. No, I haven't been thrown off a plane. And actually, you know, I don't know when this comes out, but we're recording this on 9-11. This was obviously it came out in 2000. So it was before 9-11. You know, the end scene when he's talking about the bomb, that was totally different climate back then. We were both like, did this come out post 9-11? Like, I don't yeah. know that they would say this kind of thing if this was after 9-11. It's crazy how, as we were just talking about, there are people now that can drink that weren't alive <laughs> when the planes hit the towers and things were really, really different beforehand yeah. in so many different ways, not just like airplane security, but it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, even his name being Gaylord and like that kind of being a punchline oh, might not yeah. fly as, as well today. Definitely. Another punchline that we were very surprised about that kept getting repeated was the fact that he was a male nurse and how that is just so not a thing anymore, at least yeah. not how I, I don't know. No, it, it's like super normal. Like, yeah. I feel like that's not, I mean, I don't think that I like have had a male nurse, but I also have only been in the hospital like a couple of times. Like, have you ever had a male nurse? Like, I feel like that's pretty common. Um, I can't think of any that I've had. My fiance, whenever this comes out, she may be my wife by then, but <laughs> she's a nurse and, uh, I know that when she was in clinical, she did have some male nurses that she was learning under. I just feel like I remember back when this movie came out that it it kind of was accurate to the time that maybe it was kind of strange to have a male nurse. But yeah. now I feel like like watching this movie and thinking back to it, it like it just doesn't seem like a big deal anymore. I don't know. And also like nursing is like one of the most admirable professions yeah. you can do. So like. A guy doing it. it's just so it seems so bizarre to me mm -hmm. that that was like a joke. Yeah, I think like, you know, with Robert De Niro's family in the in the movie, I mean, her, his other daughter is marrying a, a doctor. So he's you know, it's that comparison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have watched lots of medical shows in my life and just about every single one of them. The nurses are always the ones that work harder. <laughs> yeah, and the doctors are the ones that get paid more. And the nurses so, are always like much more personable and and friendly. And oh like yeah. <laughs> so you did bring up your fiance. Uh, you are getting married, and I'm very happy for you. Thank you, thank you. And that was another reason I wanted to talk about this movie, just because it was timely for me. For sure. Yeah, I appreciate you guys talking about it because I know it's not like you guys normally do movies with substance, and this one's kind of just. <laughs> Oh, you know. well, crap. No, it's nah. literally just whatever we feel like doing and whatever our guest thinks is good. And honestly, though, we haven't done that many like strict comedies. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that we should push that's, for. More. That's long overdue as well. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I love comedy. I mean, I just like not everything has to be. I always think of like interstellar with <laughs> like we sat there and tried to like deduce what the space-time continuum meant and all that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, this will be a nice break, I think, from some of the more, what's the word? I don't want to say intellectual, but like... Well, maybe substantive is the... <laughs> when you picked this one, you gave several other options, and I feel like this one I, I was definitely on board with mm -hmm. just because I was like, I really want to watch this movie again. Yeah. I enjoy this movie, and I think it would be fun to talk to Steven about it. So Yeah, I mean... Maybe it's some of my humor too. Like I kind of like dry, flat humor, and yes. you know, the he there's a joke that he makes kind of twice in the in the movie where the first time it flops, the second time he's 
kind of become the hero later, but he's talking about, you know, I'm going to make a visit to the shower toilet fairy, fairy or whatever shower yeah. fairy. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Then, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think that's kind of, that humor is kind of funny. It is uh, very funny. I've always loved your humor because you will say things and they are just deadpan as hell. And it cracked me up. Well, I appreciate that. You've always done that. As since, I mean, okay, so we've known each other, oh God, since 2013 or 14? Yeah. It's been a while. I miss you very much. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> I, I feel like I haven't seen you in forever and I'm very glad to be talking to you right now. Oh, I miss you too. And, you know, I was thinking last night, like it's, it's kind of depressing how uh, you become adults and you can't hang out with your friends as much anymore. Yes. I do want to ask you this question because it came up in my head while we were watching it. How early into your relationship did you meet your fiance's parents? Let's see. We started officially dating in February. I don't know exactly, but. It wasn't like right when you were about to propose. No, it wasn't that long. Okay. Jordan was like, is he really like about to propose and he's never met this woman's parents? That and seems like, so I bizarre guess, to me. I guess if they like lived far away, that might be yeah. normal. Like I can't imagine doing something like that. But, you know, I guess people are, are different. Even in the early part of the movie when he's going over his proposal to the guy in the hospital bed, he says, you know, the past 10 months. So they haven't really been together that long to begin with. Yeah. I also don't believe that those children would have been able to keep that quiet, especially after it didn't go well. One of those kids would have said something after. But I also, did you see Spencer Breslin is one of those kids? No. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. Okay, so uh, have you seen the Santa Claus? A long time ago. With like Tim Allen, the Christmas movies? He was in the later ones. What about Cat in the Hat, the classic? Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that too. Amazing Cat in the Hat Oh my movie. gosh. Okay, Steven. Okay. That's like it, though. What else has he been in, though? I, I don't... I feel like you will eventually, before take three, look up Spencer Breslin, yeah. and I bet you you will have seen something with him. Okay? All right. That is I'll homework that. for take three. <laughs> look up Spencer Breslin. But okay. he, he's in this movie. And yeah. We were both like, what? Yeah, he plays one of the little kindergartners. He's so little. It's funny. <laughs> Another thing that stood out to me was uh, he got off work in time for lunch, which, you know, being with a nurse, I know that that doesn't. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that is not real. That is too funny. Unless he worked like five hours late. Yeah. <laughs> it's also interesting to see such a young Ben Stiller. Like that was kind of a, a hard hit. I was yeah. like, damn, he, this was, this really was a long time ago. Cause he was real little. I feel like honestly, like the same with, Owen Wilson. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched The Wedding Crashers and some of like the early 2000s movies that he's done or early 2000s Ben Stiller in so long. They really do look like babies yeah. compared to the way they look now. Yeah. yeah, even Robert De Niro. I mean, not that he's young in this movie, but yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's definitely caving into himself a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> the wrinkles and the stature. Yeah. So what was your favorite part of this movie, Steven? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just love the awkward moments. Like the first one that just came to mind was when they're driving to the convenience store for the first time. And, you know, even before that, when Robert De Niro is about to go, he's like, oh, we're out of Collins mix. I got to go get it. And then the daughter's like, oh, Greg can come with you. And Greg's like, oh, no, he's fine. And she's like, no, like you should go. And then they're in the car and it's silent. And then they're both like, you know, the awkward silence is killing them. So they, then they both speak at the same time. Like just those kind of moments really are hilarious to me. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
super relatable, but also like I would be getting so mad at my fiance yeah. or my oh, girlfriend, yeah. like to be like, um, can you not? Can you please shut the fuck <laughs> like, up? Like you keep <laughs> selling me up the river, man. But <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, uh, Greg hates cats. I'm like, stop talking. <laughs> yeah, and then like when they first get there, they sit down and he's got the plant that he's given them. And it's just awkward silence. And she goes, so Greg, you know, how, how's the job? And he's like, oh, um, you know, thanks for asking Pam. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. At what point would you have just left that house and left Pam altogether? I feel like there were several points and I was like, this would not be worth it. That is a huge demonstration of his love for her. Yeah. Everything around him is falling apart. Yeah. I mean, he's been subjected to some really horrible things. <laughs> he still came back. And that I don't know. That's very, uh, I don't know how realistic it is, but it's certainly beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I think I probably would have left maybe at the volleyball spike. Mm. Oh, that yeah. might have been like where I just felt like it was it for me. You've given the bride a black eye and a bloody nose. Yeah, that was your line. Yeah. I think the second that I realized that he's a CIA agent who has told me before that he has cameras that he could put anywhere, mm -hmm. I'd start to get very uncomfortable. <laughs> like, okay, is he like filming me in the bathroom? And clearly and he was. Yeah, he was. Absolutely. <laughs> he was. He has footage of him peeing. So what if he like pooped in that toilet? He <laughs> <laughs> would have seen everything. I know. Oh my oh. goodness. The spray painting of the cat. That was something I remembered in the back of my head. Like once he got lost, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, he goes and replaces them and he spray paints it. And I don't think that that could get any more awkward. Like, especially with that triumphant return. Yeah, when, when they're all the... like so excited and then they're <laughs> cheersing him at dinner and everything. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, this cat is not the right cat. I didn't remember him like screwing up the house. That was really freaking terrible. <laughs> I remember the second movie more, I think because I've seen it more than I've seen the first one. But going into this movie, I was fully expecting him to like fuck up more, but I kind of found myself sympathizing with him a lot more because a lot of the stuff was not his fault. It was really in response to how terrible Robert De Niro was. And yeah. I feel like that's, it's a different kind of dynamic, I guess in the second one, but it was really interesting how much I sympathize for him this time watching it. Cause I don't remember that happening in the second movie. But I was like, damn, this just sucks. This guy like cannot yeah. catch a break. Really, the only th wrong thing he did was smoking and replacing the cat, which is still like, that's a big deal. But like everything else was just pure judgment from Robert De Niro's character. And that just, it's just so awkward and so funny. And it worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even when they're driving from the airport to their home, you know, he's so excited and hopeful. And he's like, yeah, of course he's going to love this plant. I mean, he spent 30 years in the rare flower business. How is he not going to be excited about this plant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So he goes from like, you know, up here, hopeful to like so desperate at the, yeah. At yeah. the end. Yeah. And I feel like he, his reactions are not outland. Like I would have those same reactions to this monster of a father-in-law. Like I'm sure that a lot of the appeal of this movie early on and still like today it feels very timeless mm -hmm. that feeling it's obviously not to this degree because not everybody's dad is a cia agent but it's super relatable like people can understand like feeling awkward 
in front of your significant other's parents. It's a simple premise, but the way that it spirals out of control is just freaking perfect. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see the script writing process. I mean, when they've, you know, you hear people writing scripts and they've got post-it notes of different kind of you know, scenarios. I'd love to see like all of the scenarios that they had written out. Like, okay. Oh yeah. This, like the urn falling off, like all of these things and then putting them in order and saying, all right, this is how we're going to tell the story. Like I would love to see the ones that didn't make it. Oh Um, yeah. That would be cool. That would be really cool. I did look up that Jay Roach is the guy that directed this movie and he directed the Austin Powers movies. He's done a lot of like political movies as well like he did the oh, interesting game changer the one about like sarah palin and he did the campaign mm-hmm. with will ferrell and zach galifianakis mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever not liked a movie that this guy's directed I'm a, I'm a large fan of him another one that he did that i didn't realize um is dinner for schmucks which yes. is another mm-hmm. one that's really funny that i really like it but i don't think about that movie often but when i do watch it it's hilarious Like, that's a core memory for me. I remember (laughs) watching that and just dying. Like, it is so stupid, but it's so funny. I laugh my butt off every time I see that movie. That's a good one. I have to ask, are you a fan of The Office? Yes, very much so. (laughs) I can imagine, because I feel like a lot of the humor in this particular movie was that, like, just awkward, I don't know what to say or do in this situation that's, like, very similar to reacting to, like, a Michael Scott character kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just recently, I guess I can't say finished because they just got renewed for season 12, I guess. But Curb Your Enthusiasm is another one that's kind of along that line where Larry David just has all these awkward moments. Yes. Nice. Yes. Nice. That's one show that I would love. I mean, 12 seat, like that's that's a whole lot. That's a that's a big endeavor to embark on. <laughs> but that is one show that I would love to watch from the beginning because I know he's so funny. I've always loved him, but I've really only ever seen like a couple of episodes of that show they're short seasons they're not like 22 episodes so you could do it oh good okay good deal good deal oh jay roach just did bombshell which is about the the fox news oh with uh charlize and reese witherspoon and everything uh so it's charlize theron margot robbie and nicole kidman what am i oh i'm thinking of um what's that apple tv show that's also about oh uh uh the morning morning show show. Yeah, yeah gotcha i i really like want to look into jay roach because i don't think i've ever you know what? We've done Austin Powers. I bet you I probably should watch that episode because I probably <laughs> talked about him then. We are big fans of those movies. For I sure. always forget what I talk about episode to episode. So <laughs> Even take to take. Yeah, <laughs> take to take. Absolutely. So I could have different feelings on things from time to time. I, I may have <laughs> talked about the same thing 12 times. Who knows? So. I just want to preface that for anybody that's listening to several episodes at once. <laughs> I mean, when I think of like comedy movies, I always think of like Judd Apatow or somebody like you don't really think of Jay Roach. I mean, I, I didn't know his name until I looked this looked this movie up on IMDb. So exactly. He's, he's not one that's like made his name that popular. And like, I feel like Judd Apatow really did a good job of like branding himself like to this day, I mean, Judd Apatow movies definitely have a, a very distinct flavor to them. They really capitalized, maybe not even capitalized, they maybe even kind of pioneered that path into more raunchy comedies, like with 40 Year Old Virgin and Knocked Up. I think 40 Year Old Virgin was the first time I'd ever seen Seth Rogen. Like, mm. I didn't watch 
he was on a TV show at one point, but like I, I didn't watch it. That was that was like an introduction to one of my favorite people actors. Yeah, yeah. Judd Apatow's done a really good job for himself. I didn't watch the show either, but Seth Rogen. I think the show was Freaks and Geeks, and I yes think just in passively hearing about it, I think that Judd Apatow was involved in that as well. Not surprised. That would make sense. Nice. Which you know, tying it back to Meet the Parents, it's kind of like all these people. You know, they all work together. Like Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson are always together. Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen. So yeah. that's interesting to me. So like, I mean, if you were like a big star and you were consistently doing fun projects, it would make sense that you would like want to keep doing them with your buddies. I mean, think about Adam Sandler and I, <laughs> you know, it, it hurts me to bring up Adam Sandler to some regard. You're not a fan. Okay. So I'm a fan of some Adam Sandler movies. And then I think he's like <laughs> terrible in others, but he makes the grown up movies and, and these really dumb movies just so he can go to a location with his friends. Yeah. Like, and so it's sort of like an all expense paid vacation and Hey, we're going to make a movie. Yeah. Well, let, let's, let's grab a brand or like some kind of store or yeah. something that we can promote <laughs> and, and have them sponsor us so I can go hang out with my friends. I think it's awesome. Yes. So like comedic wise, when it comes to like actors, obviously you like Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. Do you have a like a favorite, like a go-to somebody that you'll watch anything that they do? I like Steve Carell. That makes sense. Again, I, I like um, Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, and Vince Vaughn. You mentioned Wedding Crashers. Mm, yes. Um, that one's really funny. I mean, I do like Seth Rogen. Do you like This Is The End? I don't think I've seen that one. I would really, really, really like for you to watch that movie because I remember showing Jordan this and he's like, oh, my God, it's not right. for me. Yeah, was, this was not for <laughs> his taste, I think, is uh, just different. Yeah, but I loved it. And I feel like if you like if you're a fan of Seth Rogen, then I feel like I don't know, like the type of movies that Seth Rogen makes. This is very in line with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah. And having just finished Kirby Enthusiasm, I mean, I would say that I, Larry David is maybe on there. I haven't watched any other stuff that he's been a part of other than Seinfeld. But um, and J.B. Smoove. Oh, yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm. He was really funny in that. I don't know anything else that Larry David's ever been in either. He does a really good Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah. On SNL. I, I was going to say, like, on SNL. anything that I've seen him in, it's either like interviews or the SNL stuff. And yeah. he's fucking hysterical. Like, he's he's really good. Yeah. Really good. What about you, Jordan? I do like Steve Carell also. I like his serious roles as well. What is something um, serious that Steve Carell just did? There's a show coming out soon. I just saw a, a promo for. Is it The Therapist or yeah. something like that? Where he plays a the therapist. Have you seen Ooh, this? I've heard of it. I don't know that I've seen like a trailer for it. I need to show it to you because it actually looks. What is it on? Incredible. Oh, I'm not sure. Is it? I want to say like FX, maybe maybe Hulu. Oh, good. I hope so. Just don't have that it on Apple right. TV because that's like the one streaming service <laughs> I don't have. I don't need another $5 a month charge. <laughs> Thank God for password sharing. I'll just say that. <laughs> you can write it off as a business expense for the for the podcast. So ah, there we go. Nice. I yeah. wish I knew how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This past year was the first time I did my taxes without asking anyone for help. And that was a very nerve-wracking experience because I was like, I'm going to go to jail. Like, this is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to you for doing it, though. It is scary and hard. Yeah, it's it's like it's so 
not user intuitive. And no yeah. matter how much they try to make it user intuitive, just the sheer amount of questions that they ask you and the the number of forms that you have to fill out and that are important, not knowing if this particular thing applies to you. And then it's like, oh, if you mess up, again, going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> you are screwed. But, okay, so I feel like there's just something recent that Steve Carell did that was dramatic. Uh, like, me, I'm going to have to look it up. Is it Crazy Stupid Love? Is <gasps> that what it is? Love Crazy Stupid Love. I know love. that's still kind of a comedy. Do you but like Crazy like Stupid was... Love, Steven? I do like that one. I could watch that movie so many times. We mentioned the morning show. He's in that one. That's dramatic. That's right. Yeah. And it's on Apple TV Plus. <laughs> Never seen it. Do you like that one? I watched it. Was there two seasons? Yeah. I've only watched maybe half of the first one because weren't they releasing it like weekly or something? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I've kind of gotten to where I just like to watch something when it's finished. So I can go all the way through. You can binge it. Yeah. That's uh, very understandable. I have to really think about that. Like, I can't think of any other comedic actors that I, I we just talked about Melissa McCarthy yesterday I think she I kind of love her in everything that she's in what? even if the even if the movies are bad like the movies themselves even if they're bad I just love her I, I just think she's fantastic I think she is the female Adam Sandler where <sighs> she insists on making movies with her husband and her husband is I mean I'm sure he's a nice guy uh, <laughs> I liked him in Bridesmaids but oh my gosh he's a talent suck. He is just not good and he cannot make a good movie. What am I thinking of? I just feel like I just saw something with um, Steve Carell in it. Oh, Vice. Okay. It was Vice. Mm. That's That movie's not recent. It came out <laughs> four years ago, but I just recently saw it. Okay. Do you have any actors that you're... I will always eventually give things that Will Smith does a shot. I love Seth Rogen and Steve Carell is incredible. Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty aligned with you guys. Not Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> I didn't say that like her roles were good or her movies were good, but I just think that she she's very talented. She delivers she what just she needs can. to get a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve Carell and Ben Stiller, I think, both do a great job of kind of just playing like flat, you know, and just yeah. letting oh, that yeah. be there. Yeah, and. And when, because like Ben Stiller is also so good at like winding him up and then him just exploding and being that explosive character, it, like in these movies, like when he when he goes off, it's just so funny. In that vein of him, like kind of building up to blowing up in Meet the Parents, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like the first time we really see him start to show like real frustration is really at the end when he's getting his ticket for the plane and the lady's just typing and typing and typing. And he's, she says, you know, that'll be $1,100 and whatever. And he's like, like <laughs> fine, whatever. And then he's standing yeah. in line to board the plane. And she's like, we're only boarding rows nine and above. And he's like, I'm row eight. And then they cut to a shot where you see like, there's nobody in the airport and it's two 35 in the morning. Empty <laughs> airport. Yep. Yep. She's just like a, it's an abuse of power, but that was such a good, like visual joke. And then she just, I mean, the fact that they let it breathe and she's just kind of like looking around and mm-hmm. nodding. And then she picks up the phone, waits for like to hear it. And then she says, all right, now we're boarding all rows. And then he yes. walks up and she's like, oh, hello, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's perfect. 
Well, before we wrap this up, we probably should have done this in the beginning, but do you want to kind of give an intro to like, I know you have a podcast as well. Do you want to kind of give a a history of, talk about talk about you yourself? Oh, I mean, I hope we talked about meet the parents enough, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, I, I have a podcast called dumbest in the room. I might change the name. I haven't done that one in a while. Why would you change the name of it? Well, I think it's kind of off putting to people. Um, when I ask them to be a guest, people who I don't know. Can you explain like, what dumbest in the room means to people who don't know? Because clever. I think it's freaking perfect, yeah. Stephen. All right. So talking about, I'll tie it together. I'll start here. Um, talking about movies, Derek Bort is a local director and I would like to call him a friend. Maybe he would say we are, I, you know, I don't see him that often, but he was talking to me, giving me advice. And he was saying, you know, always be the dumbest one in the room, whatever. And then I didn't realize like months later when I was thinking of a podcast idea, like that name came up. And then after I did it and, you know, publicized that I was making the podcast with that name, I was like, oh, frick, like, did I steal that from Derek? (laughs) And I texted him and he's like, oh, no, no worries. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's just, you know, the only way to learn anything is to be the dumbest one in the room, which, you know, that's, it's very true. So the podcast is interviewing people who, who do different jobs and have different experiences and asking them about what it is that they do just to learn the ins and outs of their day to day. I think it's so clever. I think it's extremely clever. And I'm sure there have been other people who have said that, but taking that phrase and using it to create a podcast where you spotlight people in different careers and using that to like better yourself and to learn is just the most Steven Crocker thing (laughs) I could ever think of. I'm like, Oh, of course this incredible human being made a podcast like this. Like, I know that you're like, oh, don't talk about me like that. <laughs> no, dude, I I love your podcast. And I think that it is like such a fantastic idea. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, another reason, there's a couple of other reasons I did it. One, because I feel like and I'm, an, I'm an imposter at being a producer. So I was like, maybe there's a different job, you know, that I can learn about that I have other people haven't heard about. And maybe we could do a show about it or something. So that hasn't quite happened yet, but maybe one day. And then the other reason is, as we talked about before we started recording, is my brain doesn't work as well as it used to from uh, chemotherapy that I had for testicular cancer. And, uh, you know, I thought it would be a good way to keep my brain sharp. So I don't know. I haven't started babbling yet. So we'll see. <laughs> I don't know if we're a good benchmark of how sharp to be, but <laughs> you have, you've been right on <laughs> par with us, man. So I think you're, you're doing great. Oh, thank you. And then the other podcast I have, which might be very niche that anybody listening to this might not uh, really care about, but it's called It Takes Balls. It's a podcast with testicular cancer survivors and uh, providers, medical providers. I've interviewed average shows. I've interviewed Olympic gold medalists. Um, again, I don't know when this is coming out, but I've got, I don't know if you know, Dr. Glockham Flecken. Oh my God. On TikTok. He's an ophthalmologist, but he had testicular cancer and he makes fun of the medical industry on TikTok. He's got like 2 million followers. I had him on. Oh, wow. I had to come out in November. So uh, I had no idea about this. This is incredible. I yeah, need to like follow I mean, this stuff. If you have testicles or love somebody with testicles. I love testicles. That's both of us. Like, absolutely. You know, it, I just encourage you to check yourselves monthly. And if you feel something different, then go get checked out. Absolutely. 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 And uh, we will include a crap ton of links and yep. stuff like that in our information Dude, this was fantastic. Do you have anything else that you want to say before we break and then go do research and come back for take three? I don't know if it came across how much that I really like this movie. And again, it's, you know, timely for me planning. Well, I say I'm planning the wedding. Really, 
Ashley's been doing most of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I love the movie. So if you haven't seen it, I, go see it. We just want to say that we're extremely happy for you, yeah. and we wish you a wonderful wedding. And I'm really excited that we're doing this. And we have a whole third take to gush all about it as well. Yeah, so. yeah. By the time we do it, you may or may not be married. Who knows? <laughs> A diagnosis of cancer can be alienating. Cancer in a testicle as a young man can be devastating. A testicle is removed, cancer treatments are discussed, and concepts of masculinity and mortality are challenged in ways you never thought possible. I'm Stephen Crocker, a testicular cancer survivor and board member with the Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. It Takes Balls is a podcast by and for testicular cancer survivors, patients, and their loved ones. Listen as survivors and medical providers share their stories and give personal insights into facing and treating a testicular cancer diagnosis. Everyone's journey is unique and equally important. Early detection of testicular cancer saves lives. I hope you're ready because it takes balls. Take three. You guys can't see my pants, but I'm wearing uh, khaki pants. So if I go to Target today, people might ask me where an item is. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You do look like you work at Target. That's cool. Very cool. Do you plan on going to Target today? We go to Target like four or five times a week, so it's nice. very likely that we do that we will. <laughs> Y'all can't see my pants, but I'm not wearing any. <laughs> the way to do it. First off, a huge congratulations to our newly married guest host, Mr. Stephen Crocker. We did look it. Look at you. Congratulations, Congratulations, sir. Thank you so much. It's been several weeks, but... um, I think yesterday was six weeks. Fudge. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah, this has been a an expansive recording because we did the whole Halloween thing in between this. Yeah, that doesn't mean I did a lot of research between, so... <laughs> no, yeah, it doesn't mean we didn't all wait till yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ass crack of dawn. It's... 921 right now <laughs> so i said earlier that this might be the earliest we've ever recorded and then i realized that we've recorded at like one or two o'clock in the morning before but it's like from the day before like we didn't sleep and then wake up at that time we we're just like really late night owls so yeah yeah um yeah this is different for us but uh i'm ready Thank you guys for waking up early to accommodate me. I figured on a Saturday we could knock it out early and you guys can go back to bed. Ashley and I can go to the farmer's market. You going to the farmer's market? I guess that's what it's called. There's one at like the Virginia Beach Oceanfront that they do on Saturday morning. So we're, we're going to try to make it to that. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever been to a farmer's market. They just sell like food? There's vegetables. And then it, last time we went, there was like a small black owned business. We got some... Uh, candles for our our moms for our the wedding gifts and oh cool uh, there's people who make bread and there's there's all kinds of stuff there i love bread <laughs> all right so i have the numbers like i typically do but i did look up the numbers for all three of these films them being meet the parents meet the fockers and little fockers I just want to go over all three of them compared to each other. It's really cool, actually. The numbers.com will let you straight up compare movies and it even like shows you a little graph. And I just I absolutely love that website. Box Office Mojo can go jump off a cliff. This <laughs> website is the bomb because they like paywalled Box Office Mojo oh, shit. through IMDb Pro. And I'm like, no, thank you. I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay. 
So the first one opened in October of 2000, right? And it, it had a $55 million production budget. And throughout its entire run, its worldwide box office, it made $330 million, okay? Which is, is cool because it's almost an exact even split between domestic and international. That doesn't happen a lot. For some reason, it was 166 and 164. Then, from the amazing reception that the first one got, Meet the Fockers got a budget bump, just a $60 million. But then... With its $60 million budget, it wound up making $516 million worldwide, which remember that because that's pretty impressive. But then Little Fockers, this is where things kind of get a little weird because I think we all know uh, Meet the Fockers wasn't received very well, and I'll get into that in a second. Little Fockers budget was $100 million, which is like the only thing I can think of is that it's because there are so many celebrities in it. Damn that you had to pay all of these people. It's not a $100 million looking movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like it costs that much money. Worldwide box office for that one went down to $310 million, which is still making them money, right? You know, $100 million for $310 million. You still come out in the black, but it underperformed compared to what they were expecting. And it just happens that Little Fockers was also very poorly received. But before I talk about the Rotten Tomato scores and things like that, I just, I was curious about how this fell on the list of some of these people's careers. So I looked it up and right behind the Joker, which made over a billion dollars, Meet the Fockers is the second highest grossing box office of De Niro's career. Wow. <laughs> it's fifth for Ben Stiller behind the Madagascar trilogy and then Night at the Museum 1. Fair enough. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman is in the Kung Fu Panda movies, so that trilogy is his top earners. But fourth place is Meet the Fockers. And then for Barbara Streisand, Blythe Danner, and Terry Polo, it is number one. But that makes sense because they're not really part of any franchises other than this one. Meet the Fockers was pretty impressive when it came to box office for a comedy, especially one that came out in 2004. Like, that's a pretty banging result. This was also on a couple of lists that were like must-see-before-you-die movie lists, and it was on a couple other lists that were here and there throughout my research that I thought was really interesting. It seemed like this is sort of becoming a classic. I don't want to say it's surprising, but I, I guess it wouldn't be the first movie that I would think of to be so high regarded in some of these lists and i think it, it makes sense i think looking back on it yeah as far as the critical reception of it all meet the parents actually it has an 84 percent on rotten tomatoes certified fresh and then it went downhill we have a 38 for meet the fockers and a nine percent for little fockers so it kind of got worse and worse for that series but yeah the first one and i think rightfully so is pretty well regarded but you're right like i've seen movies that i thought like were really great comedies and that have really shitty ratings so the fact that this one has a good rating you know it's not always guaranteed especially when it comes to like our tastes <laughs> like who the hell knows you know speaking of um like jordan was saying the classic comedies uh Step Brothers budget was 65 million and its gross worldwide was 128 so i would think of Step Brothers more of a classic and it doesn't seem to, like it performed as well 
That's a great point. Wow. That, to me, feels more on par with the way comedies perform. This seems like a blockbuster. Maybe not like one today, but this would have seemed really crazy to have made half a billion dollars. You know what I mean? Well, I'm talking about Meet the Fockers now, but um, for this franchise of three movies, which just barely cost over $200 million to make, to have made over a billion dollars... That is pretty damn impressive. And the fact that these movies came out 12, 18, and 22 years ago. Yeah, and I I looked up some fun facts, and I know I think Jordan found the same one that I have, but uh, this movie was based on an independent film that was made for a lot less, which I think Jordan can expand on. Have either of you watched it? No. No. (laughs) Both of you brought it. So you just brought it up, Stephen, and Nick told me yesterday he was asking if I was covering it. I will link it in the description. It is actually so funny. It's pretty much the same setup, but it starts off with a man that's coming into like a convenience store to pay for his gas. And he tells the the clerk or whatever. He's like, you know, I want however much on whatever pump. And the guy's like, oh, like what brings you to town? And he responds uh, saying that he is meeting his fiance's parents for the first time. And the clerk is like, hold on a second. What, What are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm meeting my fiance's parents. And he's like, well, how long are you staying? He goes, oh, the weekend. And the guy says, you need to get in your car and you need to turn around. <laughs> the guy's like, why? Why? What's going on? And so the clerk starts going into the story about how, oh, I knew a guy who was doing the same thing that you are. And he starts telling this story about a guy named Greg and his fiance, Pam, and meeting his fiance's parents for the first time over a weekend. And that's sort of the setup of the movie. That's how it's told. And the dad in this is much less of like a, an egotistical kind of rich guy, like agent, and more of just a really dorky, eccentric white guy that is just like <laughs> just gives uh, Greg the hardest time about everything. And it was actually so funny. There are five deaths in it, which is like... <laughs> really funny wow that's hysterical what the hell (laughs) it's it's crazy like it they kind of it really does amp up the the campiness of it a little bit which makes things make more sense in context and to give this more context i guess uh, i hope it's okay that i'm spoiling the ending a bit but the clerk finishes the story the guy goes on his way and another guy comes in kind of trying to get his gas refilled as well and he's like, oh, where are you going? And the guy's like, oh, to the, I'm taking my kids to the circus. And he's like, wait, what? To the circus? You need to get in your car and you need to turn <laughs> around right now because I knew this guy kind of thing. <laughs> That's um, funny. So if that kind of gives you an idea of like the campiness and the, the craziness that happens in this movie. But I honestly recommend it. I, I did have to watch it at like 1.5 speed. So maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> But it's it's incredibly low budget. It might as well be considered like a, a long YouTube video, to be honest. Uh, it is on YouTube, by the way. It's free as of recording this, at least. But uh, yeah, no, highly recommend it. I was laughing several times and it was just a great time. So, uh, yeah, I'll link that in the description and highly recommend it. Good. I do want to shout out one of my favorite parts. This just had me cackling so hard because it's so clever. Greg is sitting down with the dad and the dad says it's somehow money got brought up and the dad's like, yeah, money. I think being smart with money is like the one of the pillars of raising a good family. And Greg goes, yeah, a penny saved is a penny earned. (laughs) And the whole room goes silent. And the dad kind of like gets up 
and walks out of the room. And Greg's like, what, what did I say? What did I do? And Pam is like, uh, his mom's name was Penny and she's in an urn in the other room. And I was just like, <laughs> that is so fucking funny to me. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and they have similar beats. Like, you know, he, he really does, uh, have his mom in an urn that he talks to and stuff. And I think it's only 75 minutes, so it's a quick watch, but it was highly entertaining. So. Oh, good. I think I check awesome. it out. Yeah, for sure. Talking about the, the box office and gross worldwide. I mean, I think I read that that movie was a hundred thousand dollar budget. So, and they sold the rights to universal. So hopefully they got some good, like back end deals on the rights for it i hope so yeah oh yeah i would hope that that guy got some sort of deal yeah i actually wrote that down as well this guy greg gliana he wrote directed edited and starred in this film did he play greg yeah that's funny (laughs) wow and um (laughs) when you talk about selling the rights to universal it actually caught the attention of steven soderbergh it got sent out from the producers to different people in the industry that they were hoping might be interested in it and caught steven soderbergh's attention who brought it to universal and said that he wanted to remake it and they initially turned him down but in 1995 they actually brought the rights to remake the film with, you know, a bigger budget. And by that time, Soderbergh had moved on to do Out of Sight with George Clooney and J-Lo, which is actually a really good movie. You know, it wound up with Jay Roach, who, like, isn't the replacement for Steven Soderbergh, I would have thought. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the same kind of director, but um, it, it definitely worked out for him. Speaking of comedy, I just have to point out that uh, Nick is doing this under a blanket and the blanket keeps falling in front of his face. <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. Yeah. I'm back under the blanket guys. This was something I ditched a while ago. There was a point in time where I was doing it during, I don't know if it was season two or season three, but then I was just like, fuck it. I don't care anymore. But for some reason today, my audio is just weird when I was testing it earlier. So I'm under my soundproof blanket. Let's hope that that works. Speaking of people filling in for somebody else, um, I also read and I saw, I think it was a Today Show interview about like the 20th anniversary of this movie. Jim Carrey was originally supposed to play Greg and that the film was written to be a lot more physical. But when Ben Stiller came on, they took that down a notch. I could totally see that. That makes sense. Yeah, I read that as well. And I feel like it would be a very different movie because I feel like Jim Carrey does those movies that are very slapsticky very well. And I just like that would have taken this movie in a completely different direction. And it would have been interesting to see. But so much of Ben Stiller's persona that I have linked in my head is like a compressed coil that's about to like unleash, right? Or like a bomb that's about to go off. It's just so enjoyable. It's so fun to watch him lose it uh, that you're right. Like it, it would have definitely felt different just because Jim Carrey, I don't have that idea of him. You know what I mean? He's he's sort of already like spastic. He's very bubbly, yeah. <laughs> whereas I think Ben Stiller plays straight man really well. I also read that Ben Stiller did not like the clothes that he wore in the movie, which Jay Roach used as a way to keep him uncomfortable to play. Oh, that's cool. So that's interesting. Very clever. Yeah. Talk about method directing, I guess. Yeah. Method costuming. (laughs) I don't know. I can dig it. He definitely seems uncomfortable and like rightfully so. I cannot 
imagine being in some of these situations. And that continues into Meet the Fockers and Little Fockers, which now Little Fockers I've seen twice (laughs) because I really did not like that movie. (laughs) But I still really like Meet the Fockers. Meet the Fockers is still good, I think. I like it. I really like Meet the Fockers, yeah. Another kind of method directing, as you, you called it, who knows if this is real, but it, this is a quote from IMDb. It says, Jay Roach tried to keep Ben Stiller off balance by not letting him know if Robert De Niro liked his work, which kind of is weird to me because I don't really know that you would be having a conversation like, yeah, Robert De Niro like said that was great. Like, Why wouldn't Robert De Niro just tell Ben Stiller like he's doing a good job? But I don't know. That's kind of interesting to me as well. That is really interesting. And even if it's not true, it sounds good. And that's what this podcast is all about. We don't care <laughs> if things are true or not. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know specific people that are listening that just cringe. <laughs> the idea of working with Robert De Niro and like being made to feel like you're not impressing him, I think I would crack too. <laughs> I mean, it works well with the dynamics. Like it's yeah, because he's trying to impress him in the movie anyway, so it's, it works out perfectly. Exactly, exactly. Although this was, you know, this was a big deal for everybody involved. This wasn't just like Robert De Niro slumming it. This is a a high point on his resume as well. I mean, it's not one of his, you know, Oscar nominations or anything like that, but he did get a Golden Globe nomination for this movie. And um, speaking of awards, the MTV Movie Awards, the award for Best Comedic Performance did go to Ben Stiller. They have an award called Best Line for some reason. And the line, uh, are you a pothead fucker by Robert De Niro won <laughs> that year. So that's interesting. Yeah. Speaking of lines, AFI's 100 years, 100 movie quotes in 2005, they like released a, a list. The I have nipples, Greg, could you milk me? <laughs> Got nominated to be on that list. So I thought that was funny. I'm surprised that that one didn't win the award. Right? I Exactly. Like, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that one is the better line. To wrap up awards really quick, Randy Newman got his 14th Oscar nomination from this movie for a song called A Fool in Love. And like, I can hear it. I I know the song, but um, did you know that he had not won an Oscar yet at that time? He didn't win until one year later for If I Didn't Have You from Monsters, Inc. Oh, out of the 22 he's been nominated for, he only won one other award for uh, We Belong Together in Toy Story 3, which I fully believe was just the Academy trying to make up for not giving it to him for You've Got a Friend in Me and When She Loved Me from the first two Toy Stories. Mm-hmm. Did he do that one? When He Loved Me from the second one. Was that his? He wrote it. He oh, okay. wrote it. That, it's a female singing. Yeah, but he did write it. Wow. That's crazy. You guys are encyclopedias and I'm not, but how often is a is a composer nominated for a comedy? I wouldn't assume very often. I'm not sure. It's not as unlikely for a composer to be nominated for a comedy as it would be like an actor or a director for a comedy. Like a straight up comedy is almost never celebrated by the Academy. And as far as Randy Newman, by this point, he had been nominated 14 times. Like, I feel like after (laughs) so many nominations, you really should consider voting for this person. I would be very curious to know what movies he lost on those two years, those two Toy Story years. I'll look it up. Why not? While Nick looks that up, another fun fact that I found was during filming of this movie, Ben Stiller actually surprised his, I think, now wife by flying out to Los Angeles from New York City 
to propose. Oh, that's cute. Oh, <laughs> I hope it went better than what happened in the movie. Are they still together? Uh, Google seems to say so. He's married to the girl that she plays Marsha in the Brady Bunch movies. She's yeah. also in Dodgeball. Dodgeball. That's that. Yeah. Dodgeball is what I remember her most from. But. You don't remember her from the Brady Bunch movies? No, I do. I do. But I, I saw Dodgeball probably more often and earlier than I saw the Brady Bunch movies. No, I so. understand. I love her, though. I think she's very talented and funny. Yeah. And, Another fun I fact that I found it. is that, oh, uh, and I'll read it as a quote from IMDb because I would butcher trying to paraphrase it. It says, when Jack first questions Greg about the circle of trust, he says that 19 months in a Vietnamese prison made him a patient man. This is a reference to The Deer Hunter, 1978, where Robert De Niro's character spends time in a Vietnamese prison camp. Oh, I like that. That's funny. Okay, 1995, best original song. And like, I can't say that this movie didn't deserve it. It's Alan Menken and Steven Schwartz for Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. That song is fucking dope. Yeah, I love that song. It's a really pretty song. Yeah. Oh, if any animated movie was going to win best original song, I think it should be this movie. Phil Collins won for You'll Be In My Heart. Oh my which, god. Yeah, Phil Collins like <laughs> oh. the Tarzan soundtrack is I think like one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Like no, yeah. Phil Collins right. went so hard yeah. on that movie. Shit. So he just, man. He had some tough competition. Yeah. That sucks. That really does suck. He got his flowers eventually for the third one. <laughs> Let me see what he beat out. I have other stuff to talk about, but I'm now I'm interested. You got me interested. <laughs> Can I add another fun fact while you look? Of course. Absolutely. Jim Carrey, who we talked about being originally was supposed to be Greg, the name Fokker was his recommendation. And then they filmed most of the movie without knowing how to say Fokker. So they had to go back and re-record it. And that uh, the MPAA would not let them use the name Fokker unless they could find an actual person with that surname. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it, funny. I'm glad that they found it, obviously. That I think poor real-life person. <laughs> well, hopefully <laughs> their first funny. name isn't Gaylord. <laughs> <laughs> I went to high school with a family that had the last name Fockler, which was funny that's not the same thing jordan it's that not but it's, it doesn't it's it's not impressive I'm it's sorry. close you lose it's close <laughs> yeah i guess it is close oh, okay so it didn't really have anything that impressive to go up against like there's a song called i see the light from tangled i have no idea what that song sounds like that's um, the boat song when they're doing the lantern things i think i don't like that movie but it was also by <laughs> alan Menken, so he came back and beat his ass Nice, nice. I do know that song, and now it's stuck in my head. Thanks, for, appreciate that. Sing it. No, I'm good. We don't need to. We don't need to subject our listeners to that. Yeah, then you have to pay for the rights. Yeah, or scare away Stephen from ever coming <laughs> back. I have a funny story. Like I saw this written, but then I was like, I've got to find out like that it is true. So I just screenshot the article, but I'm just going to summarize it. Basically, there was a flight from Florida to Puerto Rico. They had to turn back around to Florida because they found a crumpled up napkin with a note that said, bomb, 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 dot, 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 meet the parents. Oh, my God. It was like used to throw away some gum. But about 40 minutes into the flight, they thought, you know, somebody was threatening to... uh blow up the plane 
They went back to Florida. The bomb squad came in. The FBI came in and questioned everybody. And it didn't seem like they actually um, ever found who did it. But I think that that is, I mean, it's not funny, but like, it's kind of interesting in a funny way. I wonder how far into the flight they were before they had to turn around. 40 minutes is what they say. Right. But like, I mean, like what percentage of the flight they had already flown? Excuse me. Oh, yeah. If you're flying back, that's another 40 minutes. If that was a terrorist attack, like that just seems like a long time to still be in the air after discovering something like that. How like normal is it for a flight attendant to pick up a crumpled napkin and like open it up? Right. I was on a flight recently and the flight attendant like knocked everything off the top of the cart. And like she couldn't get to the other side of it to pick up all the snacks that fell. So my dad and I have to had to pick up all the snacks. Did you keep them? No. Lame. Apparently there are flights that can get you uh, from Fort Lauderdale to Puerto Rico in two and a half hours. So 40 minutes in. Still less than half. I suppose that's... it would have been 150 minutes. So yeah, so it, I guess it would have made more sense for them to to turn around and there's not really any place that they can land in between those two probably at least because it's water that's funny (laughs) but yeah i wonder if they told them or they were just like hey we're just let's just turn around don't make it look like uh we're doing it because if i was like a terrorist and i found out they were turning around no, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, let's let's maybe <laughs> yeah, let's maybe move on from that topic. <laughs> but if you're a if you're a pilot and like the flight attendant calls you and says, Hey, we found this note, like are you immediately taking a fear dump or like what are you doing? <laughs> um I'm getting my I was gonna say life jacket. That's not right. Parachute. <laughs> and also I probably am gonna need a life jacket as well because we're over water. And I'm gonna jump out of the plane. Fun fact about bombs on planes. I think I saw this on TV. Um, You can fact check me, but I believe that if there is a bomb on a plane and you're in the air, the best thing to do is to put it over like the back door and then cover it with luggage. Oh, that's good. Good to know. We're teaching people good things on this program. Okay, moving on. Jim Hertzfield and John Hamburg wrote this. Okay, and now while Jim Hertzfield seemed to like really only work on this movie and its sequel and like maybe a few other small obscure projects, John Hamburg has written a lot of movies that you've heard of. He wrote all three of these movies and then he wrote both Zoolanders. So he's not like the greatest writer, (laughs) but he also wrote Along Came Polly, which I fucking love. I Love You Man and Night School. I don't always hear about like writers that write for the same actors. You hear a lot of like directors that, you know, work with the same actors, but a writer working with the same actors makes a lot of sense when you know how to write for somebody's comedic abilities. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It does make perfect sense. I did a great job. You did. Good job. Nailed it. (laughs) I think the landscaping crew is starting to come in, so we might have to wrap so that they're not interfering with my audio, but... I mean, just facts about the cat, like apparently Himalayan cats are difficult to train for movies, but they liked the look of Himalayan cat over anything else. So they kept that. De Niro wanted to train the cat himself, but he realized that would take months of his life. So uh, he didn't do that. (laughs) I also read that the idea for the lie detector portion of the movie was uh, De Niro's idea. It wasn't originally in the script. Uh, He found it while researching a role and thought that it would add comedic value because his character at that time was already an ex-CIA agent. 
So it made sense to have that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that seems to fit perfectly. One other thing I thought was interesting, Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro's like car racing scene is shot mostly in tights because they were filmed on separate days. Oh, really? Like they were in tights when they were filming them? Oh, my God. No, they were in like <laughs> they were tighter shots. <laughs> No, <laughs> really, I'm confused. What does that mean? They shot a tighter shot so that you couldn't see both of them. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not a movie guy. You guys are the, the movie guys. I if, uh, Academics, I should say. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's nice. That is that's really funny. And also, they were also wearing tights. <laughs> <laughs> the airplane rant that Greg went on in the airplane, when, like the whole bomb scene, they cut that scene in the versions that they have to show on airplanes <laughs> oh wow that's really funny i mean that makes sense right uh and one thing that i loved the film inspired a cat toilet training product called litter quitter uh which sold over seven hundred fifty thousand units <laughs> so if it's still out there it just sold seven hundred fifty thousand and one. and that's it so is cool. it is a website right now. I looked at it Quitter. It's a legitimate website. Nice. That is the only thing that we are linking in the description. <laughs> <laughs> With that note, if we're all finished, this was a pleasure. I sincerely apologize that it has taken us this long to get you on here, but you are welcome back anytime. Uh, I hope you had as much fun as we did. This okay, was, don't get ahead uh, of yourself, Jordan. <laughs> don't listen to Nick. No, we had a blast. I, like I don't care what anybody says about you. You're not a jerk. <laughs> and we love you very much and we are so glad that you came on and we're so happy for you that you are newly wed and uh yeah please come back anytime we would love to talk more movies with you and bring your wife she's not a big movie person oh um <laughs> divorce her <laughs> <laughs> she might want she might talk about um uh, she's a big harry styles fan so my policeman came out yesterday i did see that yeah. and uh you saw that oh, one? Oh, no, I didn't. Probably? Okay, I didn't watch it. I saw that it came out. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> From what I hear about it, it might be up our alley, Jordan. Okay. Uh, see, I've heard, like, really bad things about it, so maybe I need to... No, I think it. I think there's, like, gay sex scenes in it. That's That was my joke. Right up our alley, indeed. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I just want to thank Nick and Jordan for having me on take three. It means a lot that they asked me to be on here. Uh, if my appearance on this podcast didn't already convince you that I'm a dumb idiot, then uh, I encourage you to come listen to Dumbest in the Room, which is one of my other podcasts. I took a little bit of a hiatus for wedding planning, but plan on bringing it back in 2023. And uh, if you want to listen to testicular cancer survivor stories and, and doctors, It Takes Balls is available everywhere as well. And you can follow me at Stephen Crocker, Stephen with the V Crocker, like Betty. Thanks so much.